right, take your Bibles with me to John chapter 8. We're going to read John 8, verse number 12. The Bible says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Let's pray one more time. God, I just acknowledge my need for you. Lord, I ask that you would speak through me, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would have free reign in this service, in this time when we open your your perfect word. And I just know that you want to accomplish something. Uh, you've promised that your word would never return void. And I pray that you would direct me. Lord, help me to say only the things you want me to. And, and Lord, I just pray for anyone watching online or in the house this morning who need you as their Lord and Savior, that they would come to faith today. Encourage your people. Lord, remind us of our purpose. And Lord, uh, put eternity, stamp eternity on our hearts once again today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Growing up in the 80s and 90s, there's no argument who was the biggest star, uh, arguably in the world during that time. His name, Michael Jackson. I grew up <laughs> trying to moonwalk. I grew up, you know, trying to emulate him. And <clears throat> he, of course, as the megastar that he was, uh, he had what seemingly was the, the, the height of fame, the height of success. And, and I'll never forget in my fifth grade graduation, uh, we sang Heal the World. Uh, my teacher was probably one of the biggest Michael Jackson fans. She had posters of him in our classroom. And, and uh, she's from Canada, Nova Scotia, Canada, but she loved her, so Michael Jackson. And um, so she uh, taught us that song, and we sang that at graduation. And and I'll never forget um, in 2009 uh, when he passed away. You know, just the world stopped. You know, we can all think about figures in our lifetime where, when news of their passing came, it was it was front page news. It obviously rocked the world. And uh, I'll never forget one of the interviews I saw recirculating. One of his old interviews. And in the interview, he made this statement when asked why, um, why he did what he did, why he was, uh, you know, in the role that he felt he was put in. He said, I am the light of the world. And so this is why I, you know, I make the music that I make. This is why I, I do these international tours. I, and he goes on and just, he makes that statement. I remember when I saw that recording of that interview, I cringed because I knew what that statement meant and, and just the, the blasphemous nature of it. And, and it, you know, I remember just a few months prior, you know, I was, of course, all entrenched in, in the secular world and music. And I, I'll never forget the day when God, you know, put it on my heart to, to take my, my big case of CDs. I had a, a 94 Lincoln Town Car with a with a 15 inch subwoofer in the trunk and a Alpine deck. You know, I spent a lot of money on that sound system with the tweeters and the subs and the amplifiers. And you'd hear me coming. <laughs> you can't picture me like that, huh? Right? You know, and and I I, I had all the CDs. I you know I would I would. Rock the oldies, you know, and, and of course some Michael and modern rap. And, and um, 
I'll never forget when God told me to throw that away, and I didn't understand it all. I just knew God was was putting that on my heart, and and when I did that, it just seemed like the Word of God was amplified in my life. I could hear Him and His and the Holy Spirit in my life again, and there wasn't these competing voices, and and I realized that, of course, Michael and many of these others who were in these positions where they were. They were worshipped by the world, where they were, they had gotten elevated in their own minds. Uh, I realized where a lot of that power and influence came, had come from at that point. It was from, I believe, demonic influences. I, I'll never forget watching a documentary of Michael Jackson and how he would make the hit songs as he would take, he would take drugs, honestly. And you know, pharmakia. Uh, pharmaceuticals, um, witchcraft is, is, is another form of oh, drugs, or is a form of witchcraft. And he'd go into the booth, and often he wouldn't he wouldn't write anything down. He'd just get into his trance, and he'd knock out hit after hit after hit. And I realized that man, this guy he he's he's dabbling in some things I don't think he quite understands, or maybe he did. But I remember that statement, I'm the light of the world, and I, I, I went to Scripture and I, I found it. I remember finding it that day and reading the Scripture and just meditating on Jesus' words. And so this morning we pick it up right there. We just, of course, the last time we were in John, we learned of the woman who was caught in the act of adultery and how Jesus exposed the hypocrisy of the religious leaders who wanted to condemn her and and how he showed grace. He did not go easy on sin, but he, of course, didn't condemn the woman. And, and now we pick it up here in verse number 12, and we get the second of the great I am statements. Jesus, of course, in John 6, uh, had declared that he was, or I am, the bread of life. And, and now we pick it up in John 8, and he's saying, I am the light of the world. And I want you to understand this statement, it is a loaded statement. There's so much truth found in this statement. And I want you to notice with me, first of all, this morning that Jesus, at the light of the world, he reveals, he reveals things. And, and the very first uh, thing that comes to mind when Jesus made that statement, no doubt, was that he was revealing his identity as God in the flesh, deity uh, before them. Now you have to remember, this is on the tail end of the Feast of the Tabernacles, one of the most important feasts on the calendar for the Jews. And, and of course, uh, they would uh, have many uh, symbolic rituals during this feast. And one of those was they would light up the courts of the temple every night with these lamps, these big lamps, and uh, it would light up the night sky, and, uh, and it would be a joyous time. The, the, in the light of these lanterns, the people would gather, and they would eat and drink and be merry. They would praise God and dance. And so when Jesus was making this statement, it was, of course, a parallel to what they were just involved with. And he was saying to those there, hey, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the light, not one of the lights, not another light among many others. He is the light. And I want you to just bask in the, 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 the importance of that statement when he, in that moment, in the crowd, spoke to the people and he told them, I am the light of the world. 
you know, for our universe, uh, there or our solar system, for sure, there is only there's one sun, and um, it is the source and the center of life here. Do you realize that if our sun were to tilt on its axis uh, just a few degrees, that we would either burn or die? And that light is the is the the centerpiece of life. And so what Jesus was saying here, I am God. I am life. Oh, John had already spelled this out when he said this in first in the first chapter. He says he is the only light, the, the true light that came into the world, that lighted every man. He was saying to them, I am creator God. I am God embodied. I am the one who lights the world. I am the one before you. And so as he made that statement, it would have caused a lot of stir amongst the people. No doubt the religious leaders we're going to see in the weeks ahead, they go into their defensing, their defense mode. They begin to dispute what Jesus says. But any of us who know Jesus this morning, we know that it is true. He is everything that he has promised he, he is. He is God in the flesh. Isn't he wonderful this morning? Don't you remember when he shined the light on you and you came to salvation and how everything changed? Some of us, maybe you came later in life, you were caught in the grips of darkness. You were caught in, in, in a life of despair and hopelessness. But when Jesus delivered you just like he delivered this woman a few verses before, oh, everything changed. Can you imagine uh, just how this woman, the, the woman in adultery, how she had a new lease on life because Jesus had given her eternal life. He didn't condemn her. And now she could go on and, and not hang her head in shame and not uh, live and be labeled by her sin. She is now, of course, a part of the family of God. I imagine maybe she join the entourage with Jesus and begin to serve him. And I'm telling you, uh, when Jesus made this statement, it wasn't just a uh, uh, empty statement like what Michael Jackson made. You know, see, he couldn't even light his own life. He ended up dying on an overdose. He, he was miserable and, and, and depended upon these substances. And, and, and I'm telling you, how can anyone light uh, when they are in darkness, when they are blind? And, and I'm telling you, this is what Jesus was saying, that these religious leaders that you're following people, they are blind. And the blind can't lead the blind. You'll both lead, end up in a ditch. But let me tell you, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you will have life. You will have joy. You will have hope. You will have everything you need in me. That's why when we sing those words about Jesus being the treasure that we found and that we should tell the world, this, these words ring true. And Jesus revealed his identity that he was God in the flesh. John said it in John 1, in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it night, it not. That was the true light, which giveth light to every man coming into the world. I want you to understand Jesus' statement of, of calling and, and, and saying that, of course, he is the light. It does reveal that the world, as we know it, is in darkness. How many of you guys will say over the last two years, I have become more aware of the darkness of this country. (laughs) 
I was more naive a few years ago. I thought there was still a lot of good people that we could trust in leadership. I thought that, <laughs> you know, and don't get me wrong, there there are some good people. And um, But over the last few years, just seeing a lot of the nefarious activities and uh, the increase of perversion being promoted and, and all these other factors that we all can point to, I realize what Jesus has uh, was is pointing out here in his day is true for our day. You know, the enemy, when he took Jesus to tempt him, he took him to the pinnacle. He took him to a high, high mountain, right? And he said, if you worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. And I think about that, like, if he had them then, what do you think he has now? He's had another 2,000 plus years to do what he does. And he's very good at what he does. He's hiding in plain sight. And I would even argue he's not even hiding anymore. And we've got to realize that the world is in darkness. Now, I don't speak of the darkness so that we can bemoan it. Don't get me wrong. Because we are the children of the light, we, we should have a distaste for the darkness. But I realize more and more that a lot of Christians spend a lot of time um, you know, bemoaning the darkness rather than shining the light. We want things to go back to the old way, the good old America. But let me tell you, it's never been the good old America. I'm promising you. I'm just being honest. <laughs> I grew up, of course, watching shows, you know, wholesome shows. And we know that we just saw what, what Disney's trying to do and trying to uh, indoctrinate your children, my children, uh, with perversion, and I grew up watching shows like Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> and um, my favorite show growing up, still watch it till this day. And I understand that things are progressing. I understand that the darkness is getting darker. You guys know that there's different levels of darkness. Any of you guys ever been camping somewhere remote? And when that night hits, I remember a few years ago, I was uh, camping up in Big Bear with some some men from one of my friends' uh, churches, and and uh, I, I grew up in the city. You know, I grew up never going camping and doing those outdoor things, and and so I I packed my bag, but I didn't pack a flashlight. And they 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 gave me a tent, you know, and uh, my phone. I I don't know what was going on with my phone. I couldn't find it <laughs> in the tent. But I had to go to the restroom. And so I opened up the, and I opened it up, and I promise you, I can't, I couldn't see from here to this mic. It was so dark. There were no lights shining. And so I decided, I made an executive decision. I said, I'm going to hold this until the morning. <laughs> Don't tell my kids, I'm, I'm not afraid of the dark, but. <laughs> But that night, that was, that was a different level of darkness. And I realized, guys, we're, we're living in a time in this country where darkness is on a different level. The spirit of Antichrist was in the world in the first century. He is active. The, the devil and his, his followers and the demonic realm are very active today. But I've learned this. Because we are children of the light, because... Our Savior is the light of the world. We have no need to fear. 
We have no need to have anxiety. We have no need to run from the darkness. You see, uh, in the most darkest of, of, of seasons, just a little glimmer of light can shine the way. And you know what we pray for West Side is that we would be a shining light in this dark time because it matters. I was reminded of this yesterday as I was made aware of a lady who had gone to Jet Hawks in 2020 and given her life to Christ and was baptized there. And, and um, her son texts one of the men in this church and he texts me and he said, hey, she's not doing well. Cancer is winning and, and she doesn't have much time. And pastor, would you pray? And I said, of course, I, I'd pray. But I asked if I could visit. You know, and, and um, the family said that would be nice, and I, I went, Palmdale Regional, and, and I got in there, and as I walked into the room, you know, she just starts to cry. She, she can't say much. Her voice is low. She, the cancer is real to her body. You can see she's, she's at the end. And, uh, you know, we see this often, but, you know, sometimes it rattles us, you know, and and when she started crying, I, I, it's everything I, t- I took in me not to start crying. And, um, but I held her hand. I held her a little weak. She could barely hold my hand. I held her hand and I looked her in the eye and I said, I heard that you, you'd receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior back at the stadium. And she said, I heard you were baptized. And she said, and she, I said, I just want to assure you that God keeps his promise. When your time comes, when you wake up, when you go to sleep this side of eternity, you will open your eyes and you will be in his presence. And I was able to say that with all assurance because Jesus is the light of the world. (laughs) And we prayed and, and we left the room and the son, you know, was so grateful. And I just... Couldn't say that if I went in there as a Buddhist priest. I couldn't say that if I went in there in any other faith-based system that is faulty. But I, I had the assurance because Jesus is who he says he is. And I want to tell somebody here today that Jesus is the light of the world. And you may be you may be in the valley of the shadow of death right now. You may have just got the diagnosis. You may have a loved one who just got the diagnosis. You may uh, be going through it. Your, your, your finances may be in, a, in, in disarray. I don't know what you're facing. I know in a room this size, every one of us are going through something. But I want to turn your eyes to Jesus. Look full on his wonderful face. And the things of this life will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Listen to that. In the light of his glory and grace. And this is what we have to remind ourselves. We get so caught up in this world and its system, which is faulty. Who set it up? It's the the spirit of Antichrist. This whole world system is corrupt. And we are citizens of another country. We are not of this world. You remember those shirts and those bumper stickers? We got to start living that, not just putting on the back of our car. 
We got to live for eternity. I had to text pastor after I left that hospital room and I had to remind him, hey, this is why we do what we do because there'll be others. And imagine if we would have listened to the naysayers back in 2020 and not been at the stadium. That little woman wouldn't have known Jesus, the light of the world. And I get emotional. And this is what it's all about. We've got to shine the light in the darkness. People are lost and they're gripping in the darkness. And, and we know the light of the world. And we've been called to point them to him. And, and it's got to be the heartbeat of our lives. We've got to love Jesus supremely because when we love him we love what he loves we care about what he cares about and he cares about souls i don't, I don't i'm telling you nothing compares to seeing someone come to know jesus as savior to go from darkness to light from death to life and, and this is what jesus was declaring in that crowd there were all types of sinners in that crowd but jesus said i am the light of the world and, and even though you're in darkness if you come with me oh i will give you the light of life. The light reveals Jesus. I am the light of the world, but I want you to see, secondly, the light reproves Jesus being the light of the world. He reproves. The world hated Jesus. They, in the crowd, many of the religious leaders hated Jesus. They wanted to kill him, and ultimately, they would figure it out. But of course, we know it was all part of God's divine plan. But I want you to understand, guys, if we're going to follow him in these days, there is going to come at a price and people are going to hate us and people are going to malign us and they're going to call us all types of things. And But we can't walk in darkness. We cannot uh, have fellowship with darkness. We must let our light so shine before men so that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. We must eradicate sin in our lives in this day. I'm telling you, no, I'm not preaching sinless perfection. But what I'm saying to you, Jesus said, he that follows me shall not walk in darkness. We would not live a lifestyle that is uh, just filled with sin and, and, and come to Sunday and think that we're doing something. I'm telling you, this type of nominal Christianity that doesn't affect our standard of living is worthless in these days. It is worthless. It's powerless. And I'm telling you, we're seeing these people in these churches and these types of Christians being exposed week after week. Oh, I was watching a little bit of that Hillsong uh, documentary and my heart breaks uh, just to see, of course, uh, the depravity and, and, and all that going on within an organization that's supposed to represent Jesus. And that the culture and being relevant were more important than personal holiness and separation. That the revenue was, was put before uh, treating people right and, and dealing with abuse systematically within the church. And I'm telling you today, this is what the world is seeing. And they're still gripping in darkness because they don't want anything to do with uh, what, what, what they see as hypocrisy, what they see as fake. And this is what Jesus was exposing in his day. Those religious leaders, they were the most critical, hard-hearted, mean-spirited people of that day. And the sinners couldn't 
couldn't come near them. The sinners couldn't come around them. And Jesus exposed them and he reproved them. And you, you, you study it out. His hardest messages were against the religious folks who were high-minded and heady. I promise you when Jesus comes back, he's not going to the White House. He's going to the church house and he's going to do business with you and with me. We've got to realize this. Can't walk in darkness. It is high time to get our houses in order. It is high time for us to get serious about our our personal walk with the Lord. We've got to live holy. Ephesians 5 says this, even you uh, sometimes were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I'm telling you that church in Ephesus, they were in the culture. They were uh, apart from God. They were uh, far off from God. But when they heard the gospel and they were sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, Oh, their lives changed. Their lives were different in the Bible. My Bible still says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And where are those? I'm telling you what the world needs to see today is a church on fire of people who are in love with Jesus, who look and talk and act like Jesus. What happened to that church in Acts? They got filled with the Spirit of God, and they couldn't deny, oh, these ignorant and foolish men, they've been with Jesus. Oh, can anybody say that about you? Oh, I can tell that that person has been with Jesus. He's like Jesus. Oh, my friends, I want us to uh, just, just soak this up. We cannot continue to walk like the world walks in darkness. we got to wake up, because if after the last few years we're not awoke yet, <laughs> come on. I'm preaching to myself, the light, Jesus, he reproves. Remember in John 3, he said, men love darkness because their deeds are evil. How many of you guys grew up poor like I did and you stayed in a few places? I remember staying in a, a duplex we did and, and uh, um, we had a little problem with, with these little critters that would come out at night. <laughs> And uh, my mother never let us live dirty. She, she, we all, the house was always clean. My mother taught me. Let me tell you, I knew how to do laundry. I would do the laundry for the house. I knew how to clean. The only thing she didn't teach me how to do is cook, and my wife is upset with that. <laughs> but I knew how to grocery shop, do laundry, clean, and we were clean. And and um and but I'm telling you, we're in these old places, and you know, in the hood, and. And you get up at night, you turn on that light, and you just see the roaches just scatter. And Jesus has that effect on the darkness, those who love the darkness. And when you shine, when he shone, he exposed the darkness. And and men don't come to the light of, they don't come to the light of the world because Many, because they love darkness. They love the deeds that are done in secret. But I'm telling you, we as God's people, we are called to be light in the world so that people can see a difference between darkness and light. And um, this is why it's so important for us to know the truth and to apply it in our lives and you know, we often speak of this, you know, your your personal, your spiritual disciplines, the Word of God. Oh, I can't tell you how important the Word of God is in your life, how you should have a steady, you know, diet of the Word of God. And uh, I'm, I'm so thankful for Pastor's message a few weeks ago when he 
just went through and showed how he meditated on the word. You know, there's no, there, I mean, it's one thing to read the word, but meditation is when the word reads you. It gets in your heart. You chew on it. And you, you realize, and I don't know about you, before I get into word, my prayer is always, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. Show me if there is any wicked way in me that I don't know. I want you to cleanse me, God. Uh, the Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, uh, it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I want God to shine the light on my life and, and the path that I'm on. And if I'm heading towards destruction, uh, the word of God can be my lamp and my light uh, to avoid those, those pitfalls on the way. And I'm telling you, Christian, uh, your relationship with the Word of God will determine where you are 10 years from now, whether you're serving God or you are out of the will of God. I know so many friends of mine who I went to seminary with who somewhere along the line, they got too busy for their devotion. They got too busy to spend time in his presence. And now they're nowhere to be found. I don't ever want to get that busy. Because we need the word in our lives. We need God to shine the light on our hearts. And then the Holy Spirit, of course, is another way in our lives that we will not walk in darkness. The Holy Spirit will convict us of sin in our lives. The Holy Spirit will reveal areas in our lives that do not uh, align with God and his holiness. And many have quenched the Holy Spirit in their lives Many Christians are not filled with the Spirit. I know we always talk about it, but I'm telling you, this is what some are missing. This is why you are miserable. This is why you have no power over temptation. This is why you aren't able to uh, have a clear discernment in certain areas because the Holy Spirit of God is not filling your life. And I'm telling you, this is what we always emphasize because this is what the Bible emphasizes, the Spirit-filled life. I know what it's like to minister without the Holy Spirit's power. I know what it's like to try to be a husband and a, and a father without the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes, it was it's terrible. And I'm telling you, there are men and women in this church who you've been hearing for years your need for the fullness of the Spirit. And you know that you don't have it, but yet you're comfortable. You, you're, you're, you're good where you're at. You have just enough of God to, to soothe your conscience. You have just enough of God to stay in your comfort zone. You have just enough of God to not shake things up, not rattle anyone's feathers. I've learned this. When you start getting radical, when you start going deeper with God, your friend circle it starts to get a little smaller. You see, because your friends, my friends know they can't call me up right now and say, hey, let's go get a few at the bar. You know, I had a friend just, you know, a few months ago say, hey, man, I just feel like we're distant and we're afar off. And, and I kinda, I'm kind of hurt by that. And I, I just looked him in the eye and said, man, I love you. You know, I love you and I pray for you. And I've, you know, done my very best to try to be a part of your life. But I had to shoot them straight and say, I, I, I can't really be there where you are. I can't really 
fellowship in those types of settings. I don't trust myself. I, I'm, I had to just shoot them straight. Like this, the reason why there's separation is because I'm going this way. I'm chasing by God's grace, by His, uh, by the best of my ability. I'm chasing after Jesus and His will for my life, and and you're you're kind of going the other direction. And people are going to call you everything from a holy roller to a to a um, legalist and all these other things. But I'm telling you, don't listen. You know, don't be prideful about it. Don't don't you no. Know, don't get on your high horse. Think you're better than anyone. No, never. But I'm telling you, uh, if you are going to, and if I'm going to have the power of God in our life, that comes at, with a price. Truth is, most people don't want to pay it. They don't want to pay the cost. They they're comfortable. So the Holy Spirit but is what is going to keep us from darkness. See, I've learned this, you know, counseling people who have struggled with substance abuse and other addictions and other, you know, besetting sin. There has to be a greater desire. There has to be a greater desire. If you're going to overcome addiction, if you're going to overcome sin in your life, And that greater desire has to be fellowship with God, being close to Jesus. It has to be. That's it. And Jesus, he's he's worth it. He's the treasure of the world. And, and, um, man, I don't regret giving my life to him. Oh, he's done far more with my life than I could ever do. And I was ruining it. And when I gave him my life, and don't get me wrong, I'm a living sacrifice like you are. I get off the altar too. (laughs) I try to, I I stray too. But every time that I come back, he's waiting and he's wanting to restore me. And, uh, but I want to live it out. I want to be the real deal. I want, Jesus said, if you, if he follows me, that follow me means you are a disciple. You're not just, you know, like a Twitter follower who you don't really know God. That, that, no, it means you are a follower. You are a disciple of Christ. Your life is disciplined towards seeking Him. As I mentioned before, one of my favorite shows was Little House on the Prairie. And, and uh, Michael Landon, of course, Paul, right? <laughs> Affectionately, we know him as. Uh, he was, uh, I believe, the, one of the producers of the show, and, and uh, man, great values found in that show. I learned a lot about life and being a man, and there were some times when Paul had to put his paws on people, you know, and, and I'm, I'm <laughs> you better believe, there, you know, there's a time when we have to put our paws on something. I know the Bible says the pastor's not supposed to be a striker, but I'm saved, I'm not soft, and you come <laughs> You come from me or my family, we might have a problem. But, but I remember just watching Paul. You know, I didn't have a good example of a man. And, and but anyways, I, I uh, a few years back I was watching an interview with his son, one of his sons, and and of course we know what the show embodied. You know, Christian values and and just wholesomeness, family, um, hard work, other things that are great principles. And. Um, they would go to church every week, you know. It was, it was a good, good show. But his son said, you know what, my dad portrayed it on TV, but his life was the complete opposite. He was a womanizer. He was an alcoholic, abusive. And uh, 
I just remember my heart just saying, not nah, Paul. I know he's just a, I know it's just a character, okay? I don't, don't talk to me afterwards. <laughs> but still, man, you know, like, hey, and his son was very open with that being a struggle for him to come to Christ. You know, even though there isn't still an excuse because we all fall short. Jesus is perfect. and But I don't know about you. I don't want that to be said of me. You know what? He preached, good. He, he preached it up on Sunday, but he wouldn't. I saw him at the gym on Monday, and <laughs> he was putting hands on somebody. <laughs> you know, like a life that did not match up. I, I, I'd be walking in darkness. And this is what Jesus said, that those who follow him, they wouldn't. They would live a certain way. The world needs us, guys. The world needs to see a church on fire. That's what the world needs. You know, often the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most famous portions of Scripture, Jesus, he calls us the salt of the earth, right? Salt in that day was one of the most valuable commodities. It was used to preserve. When you would slaughter an animal, you would preserve it with putting salt over it. It was used for wound care. It was used often to pay uh, someone. It was so valuable. And I'm telling you, the church is so valuable in a time like this that we, we should be preserving the culture. Now, I'm impacting the culture, not the culture impacting us. That's, that's, that's what we should be doing. And then he goes on, he says, you are the light of the world. So, he is the light, but we are lights, right? And we, wherever God has us, he has the desire to put us on the hill so that we can light the way to him. He says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it gives us light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This is what we are called to, you guys. This isn't just for the pastor, the deacons, the elders. This is for every one of you. There are people that you're going to be around this week that I will never cross paths with. There are people in your sphere of influence, in your family, at your workplace, who they need to see Jesus in and through you. Because there's so much at stake. And the world is reproved by the different set-apart life of a believer. Jesus, the light of the world, he revealed who he was with this statement, I am God in the flesh, deity wrapped in humanity. I am the way. I am the only light of the world. And then he reproves, you see, because of his holiness, the light exposes darkness. It, it, it shows uh, the purity of God and the uh, fallacy of sin in the world. And then I want to show you lastly this morning, the light regenerates. Jesus, the light of the world, he saves. He saves ultimately what Jesus is promising those who are listening to him and what he's still speaking to today is that he will save any who come to him in faith. 
I was uh, privileged to do a funeral on Friday, too, from a family in this church. Uh, one of their family members went into eternity. And uh, this man, he finished his race strong. He was known as the preacher at the senior home where he lived. He held Bible studies. You know, he, when he came to Christ, he gave his life completely over to Christ. And uh, every family event, he'd get up and share the gospel. People would start to roll their eyes and say, oh, here's uncle again, you know. I mean, but he was faithful to share the good news, and that was his legacy. And I was convicted with that. His legacy was to, to shine the light of the gospel to all who will hear. And, and I was able to preach it at his funeral, and there were those there who, who were openly a part of witchcraft. There were those there who far away from God. But I promise you, God honored his servant there because there was a liberty for me to preach the gospel that I, I rarely experienced. And I promise you, I told someone I, I love, honestly, this may be, this may come across as morbid, but I love preaching funerals because people are open. And you have a literal illustration in the front of the room that eternity is coming and that a person will spend their eternity in either heaven or hell separated from God. And Jesus said that he who follows him, who comes in faith to him, will have the light of life. The light of life. What does that term mean? They would have redemption. They would have the their soul would be saved. Um, the truth is we're all going to die You say, Pastor, that's not good news, but it's true. Because of sin, because death came into the world by sin, we all are going to go. And uh, the other day we were doing our, we're setting up our living trust, and they asked you all types of stuff. Who's going to get this? Who's going to get your kids? And, you know, you got to think about these things. And, And it was just another reminder, hey, you're not taking none of this with you. I can call you at any time. You know, are you ready? And people spend a lot of time getting ready with their financial matters, but when it comes to their soul, a lot of people put it off. They don't like to think about it. They don't like to entertain the idea, but it's not thinking about it. Putting your head in the sand isn't going to change the truth of the matter. And I'm aware of this, you know, just pastoring more and more so. As this church has gotten bigger, more of the calls for funerals, more of the calls for someone's in the hospital, you know, and I'm, I, I realize that I only want to know one message. <laughs> I only really want to preach one message. I, I would be content to every week get up here and preach John 3.16. I would. I promise you. And you guys might get tired of it, but I wouldn't. Because I'm never tired seeing people go from death to life. Because Jesus is the light of the world. And he saves. He says, but they shall have. You will have the light of life. The Bible says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. But as many as received him to them, gave he the power to become the sons of God. 
even to them that believe on his name. Well, if you don't know Jesus this morning, I want to urge you to turn from darkness to the light of the world. Receive him by faith, and he will give you eternal life. And it's not something that you get when you die. You get it right now. You get the light of life. While you're living, your life will be different. Will it be easier? I would say it might not be. It's probably going to be harder. But you have Jesus. (laughs) And he's going to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. That little woman, it might have been a different scene a few years ago. But I'm thankful. She made the decision to trust Christ. And if you haven't made that decision, today would be a great day to come to him. Don't put it off another moment. I'm going to worship him because he's wonderful. He's the light of every one of our lives this morning if you're in Christ. Oh, the joy of my salvation, it's it's getting sweeter the older I get. The closer to eternity I get, I realize, you know, I'll be... You know, I'm a young pastor, but I realize if, if statistics are correct, then I'm halfway, I'm at the halfway point. And that it is the only, it is, and some of you are young and you're, you're maybe at the 90% point. Because the Bible says it is appointed to man once to die. And then after this, the judgment. We all have an appointment. I hope to, to live a good long life. But if God were to call me tomorrow, I have peace about it. I meant what I said to that lady. Oh, I'm a little jealous. You're going to see him. Because I love him and I, I, there's nothing that I look forward to more than that day. And you can have that assurance, the same assurance too this morning. If you just in simple faith call out to Jesus, he will light your life. He will give you eternal life in return from for your sin and your darkness he will clothe you with righteousness and uh greatest decision you ever made christian i just want to remind us that we are here for a purpose we are to be salt and light we are not to walk in darkness if there is sin in your life that's just it's growing and not because sin doesn't stay stagnant it always grows it takes us further than we want to go I want to encourage you to come and lay it down. I want to encourage you to get things right with him. I want to encourage you to, to ask for the filling of his spirit. If you don't have it, you know if you don't have it. I knew when I didn't have it. I didn't know what was missing, but now I do. And I'll never go back. It'll never be the same.